You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. You're listening across the Real Presence Radio Network. My name is Nathan Sather. I'm your host this morning, joining you from the Fargo studio here in Fargo, North Dakota. We've certainly had a blessed morning uh, spending some time with the Rapid City Newman Center and Steve Ray talking about Abraham, especially as we enter Holy Week. And because in the uh, Western Rite here, it is our Holy Week, we had to think of the holiest guests that we could possibly find. And we happened to find one right here in Fargo. Uh, Father Dallas Herbel is an Orthodox priest who also happens to be the wing chaplain here with the 119th Wing in Fargo, North Dakota. And that is where I got to know him fairly well. And he's the holiest guy we could find in the listening area. So we brought him in. We're going to learn a little bit about his life and some of the unique things that he's able to do in ministry. So we affectionately call him Father Oliver. Father Oliver, welcome to Real Presence Live. Uh, thank you. Yeah, and for the record, um, uh, thank you. And for the record, uh, I am far from, far, far from holy. In fact, I'd probably guarantee that all your listeners are well above wherever I would rank. Well, I didn't want to make it that obvious. You know, it's hard to get, encourage them to keep listening. You know, right, right. right. Well, um, God can talk through a donkey. He can even talk through a wing chaplain. Yeah, that's very <laughs> not wrong there. Not wrong there. So, uh, just tell us a little bit about your upbringing. What you know kind of led you to you know your growing up years. How was your faith? Uh, life developed, and, and sure. we'll start from there. Yeah, no, and I'll, you'll be glad to know I'll keep the answer short. But in essence, I was raised in a Lutheran home here in the upper Midwest. Uh, um, for a while, we did a, attend a United Methodist Church as well. My father was a school superintendent, so we moved a few times. But the consciousness of the family, if you will, was Lutheran. Um, went to Concordia College. Uh, and there had a couple of classes where I had an opportunity to look at Catholicism, Orthodoxy, Protestantism, and that uh, coincided with some questions I was wrestling through at the time, uh, notably uh, initially some questions with, I mean, does God even exist? I wrestled with atheism for a while, conquered atheism, and that led me into Christianity, and then from there it was just a matter of, well, how do I put this together? And the Eastern tradition uh, really spoke to me, spoke to me in terms of how it uh, approached a theological question. The question I saw being asked first at the councils was always, well, who is Jesus Christ? Who is the Trinity? Those answers will then be able to give you an answer to any other questions you have. Uh, that made a lot of sense. It spoke to me. The beauty of the worship, uh, the artistic beauty, uh, is, I think, overwhelmingly beautiful in the East. And you put it all together and... That's how I ended up in the Orthodox Church and went to grad school, a couple master's degrees, PhD, and all along the way wanted to be in the military, first as a chaplain assistant and then as a chaplain. And my, in the East, the priests are married. Uh, I have a wife, and each of the first two times I asked, she said no. Uh, <laughs> and so I wasn't going to do that on my own. And she is a very patriotic lady. But she just wasn't sure that, um, at the times I was asking, she wasn't sure if she wanted a military life for her family. The third time around I asked, um, uh, she went and prayed about it and came back and said, yeah, I think, I think this is something you need to do. So where in that journey does the courtship of her come into play? 
When did you meet? Ah, well, we met while I was in college, and she was in college. We were both going to Moorhead State, or MSUM, as they call it now. And uh, we met on a Habitat for Humanity trip. At that time, I don't know how it is now, but at that time, we had 70 to 90 members in Habitat for Humanity. It was insanely big. And we planned a couple of large trips with a couple of vans going on each trip. And so she and I didn't even meet until we got down there. And we got assigned uh, kitchen duty, KP duty, together the same night. And uh, my pickup line was quite literally nice boots. You know, she had nice, some nice yeah. cowboy boots on. Yeah, and, yeah for clarity, and, you know, yeah, boots. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, 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 <laughs> absolutely, for this radio station, certainly. And that is what I was thinking of anyway. I mean, I, I was from, you know, West River Boys, so to see somebody from the East wearing cowboy boots, yeah. I thought, well, that's odd, but nice. Yeah, yeah. And so was it like you saw her and it was like, I'm really interested in that person? Was it just, hey, oh, this is a yeah, nice person? Oh, yeah, the courtship itself, no, well, I was interested in her, but it really did start out as a very close friendship initially. Um, you know, that week our personalities clicked. I uh, got to know her and her friend Sue. And, but Lori and I were clicking well, and so when we got back, I asked her if she wanted to, to go out. And so we went out to dinner a couple of times. And after a couple, three weeks, we realized, okay, there's... We're clicking in, in more than just, hey, we want to be friends. And that was at the time that you would have still considered yourself Lutheran? You hadn't oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. We, we were both Lutheran, hadn't even looked into orthodoxy. In fact, when I started looking, we were already married. We got married while still in college. Um, that okay. does not mean this is what parents should tell their kids <laughs> to do. Um, I mean, I got married shortly after my 21st birthday. I got, by today's standards, I was insanely young to get married. But... Um, but we we knew it was right. I, for a twenty one year old, for whatever that's worth, I thought we had these you know good heads on our shoulders and still had a lot to learn. But you know we've made it work, and so we encountered orthodoxy. You know, like I say, through my studies initially, and her initial reaction was, "Well, I've been raised Lutheran. I've always been Lutheran. Why should I be anything other than Lutheran?" You know, and so it it took it took some time. And how was that process for her? You know, it's one thing when you're dating, right? You always have right. a kind of like get out of jail yes, free card. Exactly. Like, hey, this isn't what I want to go down. Now you're married. Like, that's not exactly the card you can cash in anymore. So I have to imagine that was difficult. I want to say being led by you. I don't know that. But, but going yeah. through the process with you. Well, yeah, and I don't want to speak too much with, uh, you know, on her behalf because that's not right. But I do think that um, I can at least say, having lived with her, that... It was initially difficult for her, and initially she thought I was going to treat it sort of like I had some other things, such as atheism and, and uh, different philosophers I had found interesting along the way. She really thought it'd be a, a, fast, a, a fad or a phase, um, and it turned out not to be, and that's when she had to wrestle with it. And what was interesting in our journey is she actually started out being kind of drug along by me theologically, if you will, or ecclesiastically anyway, and she ended up leapfrogging over me uh, when we visited um, Holy, Res uh, or Holy Trinity, that is, in St. Paul, Minnesota, uh, for a Vesper service. And we walked out, and she's like, okay, now that I've actually seen it in action, uh, she was like, this, this is amazing. I'm an artist, which she is. And she's like, I've never encountered a faith that takes art this seriously. Like, we're not just decorations. We actually are speaking, preaching, telling we're making theology. Like she's like, artists are front and center in this faith. I never knew Christianity would do that for art in this way. Yeah, yeah, no, that's awesome. I, I definitely. We were just talking about this last night with our kids during prayer time. How some people will look at 
St. San Joachim here in Fargo, which is just a, a, a beautiful church, and say, oh, you shouldn't have spent that much money. You could have given that to the poor. That was the gospel reading. Uh, Judas being upset that the woman takes the, the expensive nard and, and washes Jesus' feet with it. Hey, we could have used that money yeah. for something else. And I do think it's the part of the faith that we do the worst part of sharing. We, we do the best job we possibly can to hide the beautiful aspects of our faith. And I can tell you, you've invited me to your, your mm-hmm. the church that you attend. I guess you're yeah. not presided there anymore. Right. But I was very, um, I don't want to say shocked because that makes it sound like you. it was almost right. negative. But I was very surprised at just how beautiful and ornate your liturgies were. And that's where we, we need to engage people in things that are beautiful if we're going to expect them to have a relationship with he who is beauty itself. Well, I think so. And it's an investment in the poor, even though it, it may not seem yes. so initially. Because if you inspire people and they're motivated and they change their hearts and their minds, they will give more to the poor. So instead of seeing it as this opposition, I really think people need to look at beauty as a motivation. There is beauty, therefore there is God. I mean, we've got to put it in that simplistic of a term and allow ourselves to be washed over and overwhelmed by it. And that will change us if we will. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think we do a very good job, even with some of our Catholic architecture, of making them look more like banks than cathedrals. Uh, <laughs> and yeah. you know, I've never been into a bank and been inspired. I might say those are really nice windows. That's a really nice you know <laughs> right. setup there. But I've never thought of transcendental things right. as I was in my bank. <laughs> but I've done a lot of that at beautiful liturgies and at Saint San Joachim. I'm very thankful for the beauty of the church there. Ah, uh, yeah, no, that's a great thing to be thankful for. So, before we get, we got about two minutes left for our, our next break. You've, you're, you're married, you're going on this journey, she kind of leapfrogs you. Yeah. What, what made you make the plunge? Like, usually there's a moment where someone has to make a decision. For me, it was really the historical continuity. And I just had to make it, and it was a spiritual uh, 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 humbling, if you will, myself, I was still. Rest- I remember I was still wrestling with the question of Mary and you know what to do about her as a Protestant. It, it, it's tough. And in Orthodoxy, as much as the Catholic get picked on for oh, you should a fourth member of the Trinity and all this <laughs> stuff, you know that, that that Protestants will sometimes throw at you on a bad day. Um, the reality is we praise her and say more about her in our services than than the West does. So I had to wrestle with that. And the conclusion I came to was, I, I finally had to just tell myself, look. If I accept that the Bible as we have it was passed on through this church, if I accept that the Christology and, and this Lord and Savior that I follow uh, was passed on through this church, if I accept the Trinity, if I accept all these things that are passed on by this church, then the problem isn't the church, it's me. <laughs> and, and so I, I finally just decided, all right, I am going to just simply figuratively and, and internally prostrate myself before the church. And I will remain prostrate until I can actually put some sort of an answer to why it is we say what we do about Mary. Yeah, yeah. Orthopraxy almost leading to orthodoxy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, very good. Well, we'll pause there. We're being joined in this segment by uh, Father Dallas Herbel, who is an Orthodox priest. And he's talking a little bit about his own faith journey. And we'll get a little bit into some of the work that he does uh, for our military members and the joys that he gets from that. You're listening to Real Presence Live across the Real Presence Radio Network. 
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management's properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. For questions, Rose Management can be reached at 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. Hi, this is Dr. Ryan Sappo from Lumen Vision in Fargo. Lumen Vision offers vision therapy services for children and adults. Symptoms of poor reading comprehension, headaches, tired eyes, and poor coordination can be indicators of eye movement conditions which affect reading and learning. Eye movement disorders are often undetected by school vision screenings and regular eye exams. For more information about how vision therapy can help treat these conditions, our website is www.lumen.vision. Have you ever known someone who has taken their own life? 50% of Americans have. I'm Father Chris Alar. For years, professionals have called the tragedy of suicide an epidemic, but we believe it has become a pandemic because more people in the world take their own life than die by all the wars or homicides combined. Do you know that there are more veterans who have killed themselves than were killed in the Vietnam War? And these numbers keep increasing, especially among the youth. And society doesn't help. Through misguided ways, such as shows like 13 Reasons Why, suicide has become glorified in our society. But there is hope. Please visit suicideandhope.com so I can personally pray for anyone you've lost and to get our book, After Suicide, There's Hope for Them and You, which helps with any kind of suffering or loss, not just suicide. I promise it will help. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. You're listening across the Real Presence Radio Network. My name is Nathan Sather. I'm your host today. It's certainly an honor and a privilege to be able to join you uh, in all of our listening area. Um, We're Here at the Fargo studio, where it is uh, not the best weather, but we're very excited here. We're only 45 minutes away from the Chrism Mass with the bishop, so got lots to look forward to today, and we're being joined in this segment by Father Dallas Herbal, who is an Orthodox priest and someone that I definitely uh, admire and enjoy the time that I get to spend with him. And he shared with us in the first segment here a little bit about his upbringing and what brought him to faith. Um, We even got a little bit of a a good little thing at the end there about some beauty and and how beauty leads us uh, to Christ and how we need to emphasize that more and more in our efforts to evangelize and to help people. Um, But Father Oliver, I'm going to ask you, the first time I met you, I don't know if I've ever told you this or not, someone told me your name, and I kept Mm -hmm. thinking it was Dallas, not, Mm -hmm. you know, like the the, the town in Texas, but yet there's been many times where I've been at work and someone asked something, and I'll, I'll say Father Herbal, and no one has any idea who I'm talking about. And then they'll say, oh, you mean Father Oliver? Oh, yeah, that guy. Yeah, same guy. So is there some curiosity on, on the name thing there? Yeah, absolutely. So within the Catholic Church, of course, you and, and hopefully all faithful are more than aware of, hey, you elect a new pope, and now there's a name change that goes with it. 
In the Eastern uh, Rite, uh, that same theology applies all the way down the priestly office. So bishops and priests as well, including deacons. So at ordination, you are given a saint's name. In my case, my middle name is Oliver. It's also a family name as well. And there is a Benedictine saint who um, passed away before our churches split. So technically, he's a saint of both of our churches. And so when it was coming time for my ordination, uh, I asked the bishop permission if I could simply go with Oliver. I also thought it would be a lot easier to handle that. You know, the aforementioned bank and other such institutions, it's one thing if you have a check written out to your middle and last name than it is to a name that's not even on your driver's license. So, yeah, so th- so that's how it came about. And, and someday, it's, it's on my bucket list. I'd like to get over there and see the, the church that he founded. He helped found a monastery and a church. And unfortunately, the monastery is no longer there. Um, but the, the church still is. And I do know, I think the local village still holds occasional services. And what, where is that at? That is in, it's basically on the coast of the Adriatic on the eastern side of Italy. Uh, Porto Nuovo Santa Di Maria, I guess would be. I won't ask you to spell that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I don't know if I want to say it again. Um, No, that's, that's, that's outstanding. Now, I've been fascinated by military ministry because I was a soldier and I spent some time, we talked in the previous segment with Steve Ray about God calling Abraham to walk Mm. from Ur all the way up to what is essentially modern day Turkey and then back down to Israel. And my visions of the desert was always what you see in movies, right? The large (laughs) sand dunes, you know, but it's, it's more like talcum powder. Like every time you step like dust just comes up. It's just absolutely cakes everything. It's miserable. And, and with, with that kind of idea of what that sort of land or area is like, um, it, it, it made me appreciate when we did have a chaplain that could come and do services. My, my Easter Sunday at that time was actually on the hood of a Humvee. I think he was Presbyterian. I, mm-hmm. I don't remember. He was, he was definitely not Catholic. But that was Easter Sunday yeah. services. He was just basically facing the, the, the Humvee, which mm-hmm. made it more ad orientum. Than, right, you know, so, right. <laughs> so maybe, maybe, maybe he had some more Catholic or Orthodox linings there out of necessity, not yeah. out of choice. Um, but it, it just it made me aware more than a kid from North Dakota where you just go to church, right? Like, it's hard to bring people to Jesus in difficult mm-hmm. times and difficult circumstances. What are some of the... the, the, the things that you wanted to particularly get involved in that kind of ministry, and what are maybe some of the myths or, or misconceptions that people have yeah. about why people do want to get into that, and then what it's like when they're actually in it? Yeah, so what really got me wanting to do it is a simple uh, combination of two things. First is, when ever since I was young, I wanted to be in the military. I don't know why. I just, you can ask my parents, uh, the toys I played with when I was a kid were little soldiers. And well, you know, gonna, like, did you do the, the army men stuff, GI Joe stuff? I, I did that as well, but I even had the, okay. I had, I had the whole like battle, the bulge set up and all the plastic. I had thousands of plastic soldiers set up. I would, you know, on a nice day, go outside and any tree branch might become my M60. I mean, you just, you know, it's just, it's what I did. It's, uh, but I also was wrestling already by high school to call to the priesthood. Uh, I didn't know it would be the priesthood at the time. I just knew a call to ministry, and I was wrestling with that. And so I never joined because I thought, well, i got to figure that out first. I now know in hindsight that's a false dichotomy, but when you're 17, 18, you don't know any better. Um, so, so it comes from an instinct in, to want to be in the military and to want to serve my country. 
in addition, I also think that uh, 9-11 really had an effect. I was in New York during 9-11. That's when I was going to seminary out in New York. And that, that really affected me. And that was the second time I asked to join, and my wife said no. Um, but that never left me. And, um, you know, and, I, and once we got settled in our ministry, uh, that's when I, it just it wouldn't leave me. It's like this internal drive or calling. Now, within the military chaplaincy, um, I have really been surprised and had my eyes open in terms of what I thought it may be and what it turned out to be at times. Um, what I thought it might be, has, it hasn't always had as many glorious moments as a person hopes for, right? And that's just true of any uh, person who joined the military. I think we find out it's a lot less glorious than we think. There are certainly some times that we are honored to do something in our service or something that's difficult, and, and we share those stories with the people we've served with. But there's also just a lot of downtime. There's a lot of just training and practice, and there's just a lot of things that are just on the surface to kind of killing time, even though it's not what it's doing. It is preparing you, but there's a lot of that. So that was a surprise. Um, within, in terms of like what are some uh, misconceptions others might have, uh, certainly one that I've heard, I've been asked, I couldn't even count the number of times I've been asked since I joined was, well, do they even let you say what you really believe? Like, there's a big misconception out there that if you're a military chaplain, the government polices what you can and can't say. And that's frankly not true. Um, now, if you're an average military person, you may have to be careful in, in an official meeting or something. But a chaplain, uh, I'm protected by my church because I'm brought in as an Orthodox chaplain. I'm expected to preach and teach as an Orthodox chaplain. I'm expected to counsel as an Orthodox chaplain. So there, there is no such um, uh, restriction on me. Even when I give a prayer at a mandatory formation, I'm still allowed to invoke Christ. I'm still allowed to invoke God. And I shape my prayers after um, ancient patterns and the way that that they're shaped and i do nothing but i mean if you have good biblical knowledge and you listen to my prayers you're going to pick up all kinds of biblical allusions and 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 verses that i'm quoting yeah well i i can't remember it now but i listened to your uh, closing prayer at the governor's ball here not too long ago and i was just floored at what a beautiful prayer that you had developed for that i mean it was exceptionally well done oh thank you thank you yeah and, and it was explicitly christian yeah, yeah, very much so. Uh, what motivates you in, in, in this role? And I, I'm not I'm not trying to recruit per se, yeah. but I do want a young person who's possibly listening. He's thinking about becoming a priest himself someday, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Well, I, I like GI Joe too." Yeah. You know? Like, like what what are some of the things that motivate you to, to want to be a chaplain? I think what motivates me the most is the the honor that you are given, the privilege that you are given as a chaplain to walk alongside people going through some of the most intense experiences in their lives. Uh, whether it's on the, the tragic end, it might be a loss in their family. May, maybe they even lost a child to suicide or something extremely tragic. It may be something on the celebratory side of things, a you know well-deserved promotion. Um, and it may also be a military um, activity that's happening might even be a military mission that's highly important and and yet you're right there um before during and after and in those to experience those things uh with others and to be a support to people uh that's amazing uh um, there's been certain military missions where you know that sometimes they're harder than others and to know that i was able to walk alongside somebody afterwards who was maybe struggling a little bit 
okay, there's no maybe who was, and then who, who then is able to get their head back in the game um, and to reframe whatever it was they needed to reframe. That's, that's a privilege and an honor that I, I could, I, I don't think I could say thank you enough to the, to the men and women who have, who have allowed me into their lives in that way. You know, when you're saying that, I just overwhelmingly hear I'm just Christ for people. Mm-hmm. I, I'm whatever Christ needs me to be in any given moment with the people that I'm with. And in our faith tradition, we have um, Archbishop Fulton Sheen, who mm-hmm. was an Emmy Award winner and was known for his, his TV show. He's quoting somebody else. I think it was a French priest, if I remember right. But he talks about the importance of military life in that being a soldier, call it airman, marine, whatever, is next to the priesthood the most honorable profession because it incorporates all of the elements of priestly service, the total gift of self to Christ, the total living of your life for the good and benefit of others, which is essentially the essence of what a soldier on the battlefield is. I'm just curious yourself, as a priest, as a airman, like what kind of Christ, I don't want to say like, but how how is that so motivating for you to have such a unique role where you're two most honorable professions at the same time. Yeah, and I, I, and I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that um, for me, it's just, again, it really comes down to just being thankful. But, but it's absolutely true. Now, are there dirtbag soldiers and airmen? Absolutely. But I think for the soldiers and airmen, the sailors and marines who are doing this for the right reason in the right way, they really do bring all this stuff together. They are aesthetic. they got to pass the PT test, right? Hmm. I mean, they, they, they are studious because you better know what you're doing and why and when and how. Um, they're conscientious, and they do care about um, their co- their combat brother and sisters in arms. Absolutely, I mean that, and that when you see that work out in a way that's ethical and Christ-centered and focused, it is amazing. Um, it, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and that's where I, when we, the Afghanistan thing was going down on the radio, I was talking about how God can do anything He wants with 300 people yeah. who are faithful. We just yep. have to emphasize helping people to become faithful, and and we'll. God will raise up our nation tremendously. He absolutely will. And we need to remember that no matter what may or may not happen to our nation or any other, there's all, God always has a 7,000. We got about 20 seconds, Father. Can you leave us with a prayer, please? Absolutely. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Oh, Christ God, we ask now that you would bless and protect all those who are serving, all those who are serving, whether here, whether at the border, whether overseas. We pray also for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine, and in Eastern Europe in general. Lord, we ask that you change the hearts and souls of the Russian Orthodox Church leader, Patriarch Kirill. We ask that you change the heart and soul of all those underneath him. Support those 300 or more priests who have objected. Lord, also give inspiration to Zelensky and all the leaders on the Ukrainian side. And finally, Lord, give, give wisdom and discernment to those in NATO, to the EU, and to our own country. We pray these things to the prayers of your most pure mother and of all your saints. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. We'll be right back with a special bishop after this. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. 